the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. At just this moment, I'm looking at video of Daniel Penny walking into Manhattan Criminal Court earlier this morning where he pleaded not guilty to uh, manslaughter and uh, other charges. Uh, this guy should not be going through this. You know who I'm talking about, right? Daniel Penny, the hero Marine who stopped Jordan Neely from threatening and uh, potentially killing people on that train. That guy announces that he wants to do harm, gets in people's faces. This guy subdued him, did not kill him, did not strangle him. He subdued him as uh, you want somebody to do. You know, that's my big thing now. I realize <clears throat> if I get into a fight, if you get into a fight on the street, if somebody just attacks you, no one's going to come to your defense. Cops are minutes away. People are going to take out their phones and watch it, but no one's really going to do anything. I, I don't think I, 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 that's, that's the problem. And I, I'm now coming up in my head with strategies. Okay. I'm being beaten up now. How do I adjust my body? So the blows aren't that bad. How do you, you know, do you, you basically, you're supposed to relax a little bit. You're supposed to relax. If the guy's really big and I don't have a chance, you somehow relax your body and you, you, you take on a defensive crouch. Um, I don't know because uh, who's going to come to uh, your rescue? Who's going to come to my rescue? I, and it's more tense out there than ever before. People are, you can just feel it in the air. Something bad could happen at any moment. Ah, Daniel Penny. So sorry he's going through this, but they are putting up quite a defense. He's got Tom Kniff, the defense lawyer, really effective guy, very um, strong. He actually ran for district attorney. Too bad he didn't win. You know who did win, of course, Alvin Bragg. And uh, how did he win? In a city of 8 million people, he got more votes than anybody else on primary day. Well, that makes him, well, that's, that's democracy, right? You know when primary day was? Well, it was like yesterday. Yesterday's primary. The last day of school. Tuesday. The last Tuesday in June is primary day. Why do they have it? Why do they have it then? So nobody knows about it. So nobody shows up. 85,000 people voted in uh, in that election. We have Alvin Bragg, city of 8 million people. Last day of school. They talk about threats to democracy. This is a threat to democracy. They camouflage it. They bury it. They don't want people knowing about it. And they have succeeded. What happened yesterday? A couple of maniacs uh, got elected to office or re-elected. Darcel Clark, you probably don't know who that is. There was a time in this city where the district attorneys were like the, the, the big shots. I mean, they were huge. Remember Santucci? Remember Morgenthau? Remember uh, Charles Hines, these guys? Now, uh, can you name the Brooklyn DA? Really, for the life of you, can you name the Brooklyn DA? Staten Island DA, uh, Alvin Bragg, we know. And now there's a Darcel Clark who is so pro criminal, it's not even funny. And she's gone even, uh, softer on the criminals because she had a primary fight on her hands. Yes, yesterday. <laughs> and she was challenged from the left. Somebody who thought that police should be abolished. Uh, <laughs> so she had to go even more wacko and she was reelected. Last day of school. Last day of school and in the city with, uh, what is it, nine, ten to one Democrat now? Ten to one Democrat to Republican. You win the primary. You've won the general election. I mean, talk to Curtis about that. Curtis, oh, boy, he would have been a great mayor. Maybe, maybe if we get him to run as an independent for something. Is that the deal? 
There's just not enough Republicans. Staten Island, I love Staten Island, but it's an outlier. It does not represent the city. Uh, it should. It should. I don't know. Well, I think people, your average New Yorker, on the, wherever the hell they came from, whether they were born here in New York or born in Bangladesh, they get it. They understand. They've got too many things. You know, working and living in New York is hard. It's hard. You gotta like, <laughs> you gotta think about survival more than you can think about the primary, unfortunately. And the primary, last day of school. And wh- who do we have? We've got Youssef Salam going to the city council. You know who that is? He's one of the Central Park Five. One of the, uh, people who we believe actually did attack that jogger. Wait a second. They were exonerated. No, they actually were not. No, they were not. So much fake news about that case. It's disgusting how much fake news. And, you know, I heard Linda Fairstein, one of the original prosecutors. She didn't prosecute the case, but she was involved in the initial stages of the investigation. And they tried to make her look like a monster in some stupid movie on Netflix. Well, she's suing Netflix. And the last I checked, she is winning that case. Ruling after ruling in her favor. Because they lied about her. They lied. They depicted her as a monster. She was a professional. She has defended women her entire life. And she was outright canceled. That silly movie comes out on Netflix a couple of years ago saying that these little kids were angels and framed and abused and, um, you know, tortured almost and during interrogation. None of that is true. If you were going to torture somebody, if you were going to uh, set up a false confession, would you videotape it? They videotaped the confessions in 1989. You know, that was kind of like cutting edge technology. NYPD was ahead of its time. You can look up these conven- these uh, these confessions. Where Corey Wise says, hey, man, come on, this is my first rape, all right? Come on, I'm not going to do it again. You can hear Raymond Santana say, uh, I didn't rape her, I just felt her, T-I-T-S, okay? Sorry, but that's what he said, not me. And he said it on tape, and he said it with a bit of gusto. He was like, yeah, I, I just did that, huh? What are you going to do about it? Now, Yusef Salam is not on tape. However, he's in open court saying that he brought a metal pipe to Central Park that night with no intention to use it. Well, why did you have it? Uh, a friend gave it to me. I had it for safekeeping. My friend gave it to me. Anyway, his story was preposterous. Nobody believed him. And uh, I believe he was right, rightfully convicted. I do. And a lot of folks think, well, wait a second. What about the DNA evidence that exonerated all these people? That is not true. It's not true. It's it, totally wrong. And you can say this at a dinner party and people will be totally appalled. People will get up from the table. They'll throw bread rolls at you. They will. But you will be right and they will be wrong. Now, you've got to do a little bit of research, though. You've got it because the fake news is not going to tell you this. But you can look uh, at the order to vacate back in 2002. Now, the city wanted to fight this. The law department said that they should not settle with these guys because they were convicted of other things in addition to rape. You know, assault. A lot of people were hurt in the park that night. A lot of people, like <laughs> hitting the head with a big pipe. Uh, a guy named Laughlin, an ex-Marine, he almost died that night. Numerous people were assaulted. But anyway, the prosecutors always knew that there was another rapist out there that they did not arrest, that they did not have. They had a blood te- a type. They had semen. And it did not match any of the five. But the they always knew that this was a gang rape, that dozens of people assaulted this woman. 
Talk to the doctors who were involved in treating Trisha Mealy uh, that night at the hospital. That night. It went on for six weeks. It's a miracle she survived. She's convinced that there was more than one person. It wasn't Mateus Reyes by himself. All they did was, there's not new evidence, uh, new DNA evidence. It was always there. The new evidence was Mateus Reyes, a total psychopath, saying, yeah, I did this myself. I did this all by myself. I would never put him in court, never cross-examined him. Uh, they just went up to the jail and interviewed him and said, okay, that's good enough for us. Let's uh, wipe these records clean and give them $40 million. Give them each, uh, give them $40 million to be split among the five. Well, it looks like Yusuf Salam used some of that money to get himself into the city council. And now he's got real clout. Real clout. You'll be seeing him on the news. He's probably going to run for mayor in a couple of years. You know, de Blasio, this is how de Blasio started. Started in the city council. Four years later, he's public advocate. Eight years after that, he's mayor of the city. Because this little cesspool of politics, you can be nobody and become somebody. And that's why most of these people go into politics, because they just want to be somebody. It's not about public service. It's about perks. It's about what's in it for them. And Youssef here is, um, and how many people made him the council person from, where was it, District 9, Harlem, something like that? Uh, 5,000, 5,443. That's it. That's it. And it's national news now. And Youssef is so happy. Cut 13, please. This campaign has been about those who have been counted out. This campaign has been about those who have been forgotten. This this campaign has been about our Harlem community who has been pushed into the margins of life. Uh, what do they say about not remembering? Well, I remember. I, re- I haven't forgotten about you. I have not forgotten about you, Yusef Salam, when you're on the witness stand. All right. And you said you had that pipe with you and nobody believed that you were just walking around with it. You were asked if you ever hit a female jogger with a pipe while you were in Central Park. No, I never hit a female jogger with a pipe. Did you ever hit a female jogger with your hand while you were in the park? I never touched a female jogger. Starting her cross-examination just before the lunch recess, this is in 1990, Assistant District Attorney Elizabeth Letterer repeatedly asked Salam how he suddenly broke away from the group. I was sort of lagging behind. All of a sudden, they were gone. I don't know where they went, testified the six-foot-four-inch lanky youth. Forty-nine people just disappeared, Letterer asked incredulously. Salam said he grew tired following the group up a rise, and when they topped the hill, he suddenly lost sight of them. She asked him what happened when he went home to his Harlem apartment that night. Didn't you think you saw someone you thought was dead in the park? Letterer asked Salam, and Salam replied, yes. But you didn't mention that to your mother, she asked? No. No, I did not. Yeah, earlier he said he there was a bum that was being beaten up. Police believe that he participated with that metal pipe and that he was left for dead. And he thought that that person was dead and didn't mention it. This guy is not an innocent. I do believe that he uh, did violence in the park that night. Anyway... Oh, so the, remember the DNA evidence. They actually said in open court that there was a, there was another rapist out there, uh, and they don't know who he is. I think they call them uh, Defendant X. Someone else is out there. We don't know who he is. We don't know where he is. There's somebody else. 
And uh, 15 years later or so, Mateus Reyes, total psychopath, comes forward and says, yep, it's me. I did it by myself. And they believed him. And then I hear I heard all these uh, reports. Well, he was he always worked alone. He was a serial rapist and he always worked alone. That's not true either. It's not true. In fact, the time, excuse me, he attacked his mother. He did it with his buddy. All right. Two people. Two people did it. Anyway, it sickens me that this guy is on his way to the city council, but it doesn't. That's the uh, that's the new normal, right? That is the new normal. That's the way things are. And in a corrupt country, hey, Joe Biden's speaking right now about what they want to call Bidenomics. Bidenomics, which is, um, what is that? Record high inflation, record high gas prices. They want to turn this into a thing. And they're counting on your ignorance to uh, let them get away with it. It becomes a catchy slogan. Just just a couple of seconds, please. Environmental group out there. The AFL-CIO. The women's groups. I mean... Here's the deal. When I sat with the AFL-CIO, when I sat with the IBW starting when I ran last time, I said, here's the deal, though. I'm going to be the most pro-American, most pro-union president in history, but you've got to employ more women, you've got to attract more African-Americans, and you've got to attract more minorities. They have. Is that what he said? Is that what he said when he wanted that union support? Is that what he said, actually? I'd love to know, because, you know, he is a serial liar, so I don't believe that. I don't believe that. It's amazing. Joe Biden from Delaware is going to go around lecturing people about diversity. All right, but all right, before we go, the Denot, you know, there's another text message from Hunter shaking down people in China for $10 million. Uh, it's really bad, and they asked Joe about it just a little bit, and he got really mad. Cut 18, please. President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? No, I wasn't. Were you? No. No. He's starting to crack. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And another text message from Hunter Biden to one of his uh, business partners in communist China. Uh, Mr. Henry, was this Henry Zhao he's sending a message to in August of 2017? They're getting desperate. They're getting nervous. They're getting worried. Why? Because Joe Biden is an ex-vice president of the United States. That's not nearly as cool or as powerful or as influential as being a current vice president of the United States. And at that point, nobody was really looking at him uh, to the future. It just did seem very unlikely that Joe Biden would be the guy uh, who would be uh, the nominee. All right. So Hunter Biden sends this. What a selfish, greedy guy. What does he want here? All right. I'm going to read directly from it. Ten M, 10 million per annum budget to use to further the interests of joint venture. This move to 5 million is completely new to be and is not acceptable, obviously. Okay, so they wanted to give him 5 million. He insists on 10 million. I can make 5 million in salary at any law firm in America. That's totally not true, unless they were shaking down some law firm. Um, if you think it's about money, it's not. What the hell could it be about? Now, this is the part that's also the Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. What the hell is that? Corrupt acts? (laughs) Changing American policy because the Chinese are paying for it? I guess the Bidens are probably pretty good at that. 
One more time, 10M per annum per year. Why does he say per annum? That's a fancy way of saying per year. 10 million per annum budget to use to further the interests of joint venture. It's very vague what he's going to do. I'm going to further the interests of the joint venture. If you get right down to it, you know what he says? Uh, introductions, making introductions to people. That's how, that's how special they think they are. This move to 5 million is completely new to me. And it's not acceptable, obviously. I can make $5 million in salary at any law firm in America. If you think it's about money, it's not. The Bidens are the best, I know, at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. The, cha- the chairman, by the way, I believe of CEFC, who I think is now missing. This is what the Chinese do all around the world, though, by the way. Okay, They want to expand their influence. They're building projects everywhere from Africa to South Asia to uh, South America and America, they're trying to take over corrupt officials here to get what they want. I mean, how else? Why Why do you think that Chinese balloon just sailed over the country without a peep from us, right? Uh, we'll wait We'll wait till it gets over the ocean. What? 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 We'll wait till it's finished its mission. Uh, why was he so strange, Joe Biden? Uh, because I think they've got the goods on him, and I think it's incredibly obvious at this point. And Joe is still blathering on at that speech. And what's going on in the back of his head? You know, when he gets lost in thought and, and and can't figure out what he's trying to say, I'm starting to think that maybe it's because a lot of his brain is consumed with these allegations because these allegations are real. All right? This is a real thing. You want to hear him talk about the I-95 uh, crack up? Remember the I-95 crack up in Philadelphia? A big piece of the road fell out. All right. He just tried to explain it. Everybody in the audience, Democratic uh, lovers, uh, labor union officials, all these people who are supposed to love Joe Biden are looking at each other, trying to stifle laughter. It is incomprehensible gibberish, and it's priceless. I'll have it when we come back. Traffic jams, tailgating. Pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is just a few seconds ago. Joe's trying to talk about the I-95 collapse in uh, Philadelphia, okay? I don't know what the hell he's, uh, what the point is. Do you? Go ahead, please. Oh, it's going to be a moment or two. Um, Do you remember when I-95 collapsed in Connecticut? That was in the 1980s. And uh, a big chunk of the... Uh, roadway just fell out not that far from here in Greenwich, Connecticut. And it started a big conversation about, uh, infrastructure in America and how America is going downhill. And, uh, I guess it's still going downhill. Our infrastructure totally stinks. Why is that? Have you ever been to Hong Kong? Have you ever been to, uh, Paris? You get off the plane. The, <laughs> you don't even want to leave the airport. The airport is that beautiful. It's that nice. It's that, wow. Um, and LaGuardia, by the way, is not all that, even after the $3 billion overhaul. All right, here we go. Joe Biden on uh, I-95 in Philadelphia. Uh, anyway, last week, we were open I-95, back where I live. Yeah. 
and you go up the East Coast. It's a, one of the most important links in the entire East Coast. Well, guess what? Less than we, a guy driving a truck hit a anyway, knocked down a whole bridge and the whole block, four lanes of the highway. I went up there. I said, we're going to get this the number one project to get done. Within one week of my being there, two weeks of happening, tanker trucks that crashed and caused this overpass that, that has 150,000 vehicles travel on it every day and 14,000 trucks. It's critical to our economy. I think what he's trying to say is it's amazing because a truck caused this thing and now trucks came to the rescue. And he's actually trying to think that or convince you that he is the one who's instrumental. All these things happen automatically. All these things, you know, we do have a DOT. We have state departments of transportation. We have county departments of transportation. We have federal departments of transportation. A lot of this stuff is built into the system, all right? There's a, a road that collapses. It gets fixed immediately. Now, the long-term stuff, making sure this doesn't happen again, but there he is trying to, he's Johnny on the spot with the contracts. You want to hear what a leader sounds like? All right, Donald Trump in New Hampshire yesterday. Let's let's try cut four. On November 5th, 2024, we're going to stand up to the Marxists and communists, fascists and globalists. We're going to evict crooked Joe Biden. He is crooked as hell. You know, I took the name away from Hillary. I was crooked Hillary. And now I call her beautiful Hillary. She's a beautiful woman. Uh, well, we've heard, these are the greatest hits, I guess. Cut three. America is tired of being ruled by radical bureaucrats in Washington, and we are done with the likes of the Bidens and the Clintons and the Obamas and the radical left Democrats, the Marxists, guys like Paul Ryan and Karl Rove. We're so tired of these people. We're so tired of them. But I promise you this. You put me back in the White House, their reign will be over, and it will be over quickly, and America will be a free nation once again. Once again. Doesn't this appeal to liberals, please? Doesn't this? How about how about this part? No more sexual mutilation of children. Cut two. Immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity. And other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on our children. As I said, I will keep men out of women's sports, and I will sign a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. Can you believe it? No, can you believe you have to say that? I'm going to sign a law to prohibit child sexual mutilation. Can you imagine saying that 15 years ago? People would look around. What the hell is, what's he talking about? That's taking place in our country. It's, it's insane what's going on. And what does Biden say about this? To all transgender youth in America, this president will always have your back and let you use whatever bathroom you want. No, no, sir. He's right. This stuff is so, it's cra- It's inconceivable that we've been, that we'd be in a place like this. Hello, Teddy and Yonkers. What's up? Yeah, uh, if I understand correctly, you were accused of a sexual crime, and that's why you were let go on Fox Channel 5. Am I correct on that, Mr. Kelly? No, you are incorrect. Uh, yes, I was uh, falsely accused in, let's see, January of 2012. 2012. I left Fox 5 in uh, September of 2017. That would be five years later. All right? That's five years longer than the career you had on television, Teddy. 
uh, and the f- five years longer than most people in morning television. So, uh, no, that is, uh, you are incorrect. Uh, as usual, Teddy, um, but, uh, but that's fine. We need guys like you to call into the radio from time to time. What else? Uh, if, what, hello? Yeah. Yeah. If what you, what Trump said that Joe Biden is a criminal, he's a crook, then what is Donald Trump? He's a traitor. You know, you really switch gears. You're outraged. You just as like, you know, okay, Greg Kelly rapist, you, then you're Donald Trump criminal, right? You just, uh, what's, what's next? Give me another one. Yeah, Jack Smith. But Teddy, do you people like you really exist? All right. Well, uh, thanks for calling. Keep in touch. Uh, let's try Tom. Hello. How you doing, Greg? Oh Jesus! You, you like Darcel Clark? Yeah, but listen. I listen, just I just got handed know, a note. Darcel Clark. All right. Now I mean maybe maybe we're all wrong about her. What's the deal? The deal is this. I I I, saw, I was in. The DA's office under Mario Marola with her. I was senior to her. Now, Mario Marola, was he the corrupt guy or was that the other guy? That was the other guy. Who was the other guy I'm thinking of? Simon? Who was the other guy? Yeah, Simon was the corrupt guy. Now, Marola, didn't he do something wrong? No, he was the DA there forever. Yeah, I remember. I I remember. And uh, All right, so you worked there. Did you know Eddie Hayes? Yeah, I sure knew Eddie Hayes. All right. Uh, so, uh, so you left there a long time before Darcel Clark showed up. Oh yeah. Well, I left there. I came back as a defense attorney for a while. I tried a case in front of her. She was tough but fair. Uh, I had cases. Did you win? I've had cases. I, 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 got, I got a split decision on that one. Mm. I got a guy convicted of. Hey, a by the way, just so far. you know, nobody in the world knows who the hell we're talking about. Okay, I mean, which is kind of you got to admit that. These names, here we are talking about Mary Marola from 1985. People remember that guy. They don't even know the current one, Darcel Clark. A lot of it is uh, the culture. Everything has shifted, and it's weird now, but nobody knows who we're talking about. She just got reelected with, like, six votes. It's crazy. It's crazy. I just, uh, all right, so tell us uh, what I'm missing. Tell me what I'm missing about her. Yeah, so I know the inside baseball, and she really is a prosecutor at heart. She wants to do the job. Her people want to do the job. I've got cases against them now that they're fighting me hard. They, they're just hogtied by that Bronx political machine. That well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I okay. So can you read her mind? You're you're just looking into her heart. She's hogtied by that Bronx political machine. Sounds to me like you know she's a good person, and maybe she is. But in terms of actually executing the job. She's uh, hogtied by that uh, you know, machine, and she's a go-along, get-along kind of gal. It's not, it's not, it's not doing it for me, man. There's a reason why the Bronx is one of the most dangerous places in America, and she's part of the problem. Tom, though, I appreciate it. Uh, let's do one more. Sandra, hello. Hi, Greg. Um, you know, um, we had something. I have something good to share for Trump, um, Judge. Aileen Cannon denied Jack Smith's request to file a confidential list of 84 witnesses in the classified doc case. Wait, what? So like Smith, Smith sought to keep a list of all the witnesses secret from Trump yeah. and to forbid him. I know. To and the judge said direct- the judge said you can't do that. That's right. I know. So that's a good thing. And also. She set a date, as you already said the other day, for um, August 14th, and Smith pushed it to December because he needs time to prepare 
for both the defense and government interests. So to me, like you said, he's not prepared and, and he needs time to figure this out because he can't seem to figure it out. Hey, I got to go right? back to something. Uh, I got to go back to something. Uh, Mario Marola, I get him confused sometimes with Stanley Simon, who was the uh, borough president. He was the one who found himself uh, involved in some no good stuff. Let's see here. Uh, 1987, Simon, aware that he had been under investigation and that charges against him were pending, resigned from his post. A few weeks later, the United States attorney for the Southern District of New York, Rudolph Giuliani, announced an indictment against him for extortion, perjury, income tax evasion, and obstruction of justice in connection with an investigation into WedTech, a Bronx-based defense contractor. The charges included extorting a job with pay raises for his brother-in-law, extorting the company for campaign contributions, obtaining a kickback in exchange for a job at his office and failure to pay income tax on the money he received. The year before, his benefactor, uh, Friedman, was convicted of extortion and bribery and sentenced to 12 years in federal prison. He was convicted of racketeering and extortion in 1988 and received a five-year sentence. He served his sentence at Allenwood Federal Prison. I remember seeing this guy on TV the day he was indicted, and he said he had a big press conference. He goes, Although I am guilty of these charges, I will. And then he said, uh, 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 although I am not guilty of these charges. And then, I mean, he kind of, he kind of admitted it himself. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I got the DA confused with the borough president that Mario Marola, good guy, honorable guy. And uh, I got these old time, uh, old time uh, politicians confused. All right, Sandra, anything else? Yeah, yesterday I mentioned Robert F. K. with his, you know, Condition. I'm I glad you say. mentioned Robert F. Kennedy because that guy is awesome. And I actually I found this. I was thinking of you, Sandra. Uh, you gotta you gotta listen to him talk here. All right, you gotta listen to this. It's great stuff. You know how they messed with us during the pandemic? How they wanted to take our rights away? You know how they did that, right? Everybody remembers. In fact, uh, here's Joe Biden threatening us in 2021. Cut 19. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. Hey, screw you, pal. All right. Uh, we decide. There's the government telling us what to put in our bodies under no circumstances ever. Cut 17, RFK Jr., please. The Constitution was writ. They wrote it for hard times. They wrote it no matter what. You know, you can't suspend the Constitution for any reason. Doesn't matter if the country's falling apart. You can't do it. Doesn't matter if people are dying. You can't do it. The rights. Our, you know, there was a generation in 1776 who put their lives, their fortunes, their reputations on the line and their livelihoods, their property, in order to give us those bill of rights. Once a government takes a power, it will never give it back voluntarily. That is a rule of political science. And the other rule is that every power they take will ultimately be abused to the maximum extent possible will be abused. They'll take it, they'll never give it up, and they'll abuse it. And this guy knows. This guy knows. It's in his blood. You know, finally, you know, the Kennedys. <laughs> there's been a there's been a long spell of Kennedys getting into trouble and stuff like that, but they've been through a lot. You think about it, right? How They lost three, three in service to this country. 
Joe Kennedy shot down during World War II. Robert F. Kennedy, and back then in the 60s, you know what? It was public service. Robert F. Kennedy killed by Sirhan Sirhan, although Robert F. Kennedy Jr. doesn't think Sirhan Sirhan's the guy. JFK, of course, assassinated. And when you're the, when you're in the middle of all that, you pick up things and you know things. I mean, just like me, I've never been in the New York City Police Department, but, um, I know things, you know, and, uh, whatever you're involved in. Uh, you know things when you're, when you're in that environment, you pick things up. And, uh, I like, I like Robert F. Kennedy a lot. I wonder if there's some way, somehow, could that be a running mate to Donald Trump? The two of them together, that, that could be really, really interesting. I know he's liberal. We don't have to agree on everything, but did you hear what he just said? He believes in our rights and he believes in the Constitution. And that's a million times better than Joe Biden and these other weirdos. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, did you notice anything when that guy called up and said, "Hey, weren't you fired because uh, you were you were accused of rape and you got out of it somehow?" Remember that? Remember the guy called a few minutes ago? You notice I didn't get mad. Um, number one, because I know everything there is to know about that case, and I know I'm innocent. Uh, and it was interesting when I was going through it. I knew everything there was to know about the case and I knew I was innocent. It was like the strangest thing, but I was totally calm. And to this day, I'm totally calm, uh, about it because I know the facts and, uh, I know what happened. And, uh, there's a reason why, oh, by the way, folks, I wasn't arrested. <laughs> okay. Uh, but notice what Joe Biden did this morning when confronted with very real evidence that, uh, he and his son Hunter we're shaking down the Chinese for $10 million at least. What did he do? Let's see here. Uh, cut 18. President Biden, how involved, President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? No, Were you? No. No. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And that's not the first time he's gotten angry about this. He gets very touchy very, very quickly. Uh, did it with Steve Ducey very famously. Savannah Guthrie, surprise, surprise, was giving him a hard time about it. She says, well, that's kind of sleazy. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. Uh, he gets angry. And, uh, look, this is not admissible in court, but I think the anger is a, is a sign of, uh, of guilt. And quite frankly, when you listen to Trump talk about this, have you ever noticed how calm he is? When he's talking about the, the doc stuff or whatever allegation it is against him, he doesn't get angry. He might get angry at some jerk reporter, um, mouthing off about something kind of minor, but I, I, I listen to this. Is he, does he sound angry to you? Uh, this is Donald Trump about the documents, uh, the secret documents cut one. We did nothing wrong. What did I say wrong in those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. Yeah. I did not. That sounds totally calm because he knows more than anybody else does about this case. And, uh, I think that's very interesting. Now the fake news is trying to make it into something. I mean, banging their, uh, their special animation and the music and the urgency. Cut 21, please. 
The audio recording of former President Trump seeming to undermine his claim that he did not show others a secret Pentagon document after he left office. What he is saying in the new fallout tonight. Oh, my goodness gracious. That sounds so urgent, so important. Uh, you, uh, you know what undermines uh, Lester Holt's newscast? What he said next. Okay, the next headline in the news. Okay, listen to this. Cut 22. My exclusive interview with former Congresswoman Liz Cheney, what she told me about the state of the Republican Party, whether she'll run in 2024 and more. Liz Cheney lost, I believe it was November, by 40 points, a House seat. I mean, uh, she's reviled in the Republican Party. Nobody likes her. She lost resoundingly. How is it that an ex-member of Congress, the House of Representatives, Presidential Timber? All right, so he's going to interview her. He's already said he's going to interview her at the top of the show. And then he starts the show and reminds everybody he's going to interview her. Ten seconds later, cut 23. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, reporting tonight from Aspen, Colorado. Good evening from Aspen, where I sat down just a short time ago with former Congresswoman Liz Cheney. My interview with her in just a few minutes. No, we'll be sure to stay tuned. (laughs) And he says Aspen, Colorado, like it makes sense. Yeah, we're in Aspen, Colorado to talk to former Wyoming congressperson Liz Cheney. You know where they should have done it? In the swamp. They should have done it right outside of CIA headquarters, because that's where she's from. No kidding. She went to McLean High School, uh, which is right next door to Langley. That's really something, huh? Uh, to tells you where their priorities are and uh, what they're all about. Now, having just blasted NBC News, I'm going to say this. The CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, and I don't know if she knows or cares what they're putting in front of her, but they have a halfway decent reporter there by the name of Catherine Herridge, and I'd like to start with that, if you don't mind. Cut 24. Well, now to that new audio recording obtained by CBS News of former President Donald Trump discussing secret documents at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. CBS's Catherine Herridge reports the recording is likely a key piece of evidence in the federal government's classified documents case against Trump. Today, the former president defiant on the campaign trail. We did nothing wrong. This is a whole hoax. After CBS News and other media outlets obtained an audio recording where the former president two years ago allegedly shared with a group at his New Jersey golf club a sensitive Defense Department plan of attack on Iran. This is a highly confidential secret. This is secret information. The recent criminal indictment of the former president for the willful retention of national defense information includes a transcript of the conversation allegedly between Trump, a book writer, a publisher, and two staffers. The indictment says none has security clearances. Former senior Justice Department official Tom Dupree. All right. So there's a lot there, but the key part in this report is the Iranian document, the document that's allegedly there about the Pentagon and the Pentagon's plans to invade Iran that was supplied to him by the Joint Chiefs. It was not one of the documents that was uncovered at Mar-a-Lago. That's a key thing that's a that's a big deal but now they're thinking about raiding bedminster they're thinking about raiding bedminster there's actually discussion about that i guess they'll be ready this time it's all fake greg kelly entertaining and informative on the red apple podcast network
I'm just uh, looking at Nikki Haley on TV slamming Trump, the Republican former governor of South Carolina, who promised and swore that she would never run against Trump, is running against Trump, criticizing him all she can. I'm sorry, she should be a fourth grade teacher. How she ever made it out of the fourth grade classroom? I mean, she's very much that. She's really, yeah, perfect for the fourth grade. Maybe even a, an assistant principal, someday principal, but for now, assistant principal. Uh, no way is she ready for the for the world stage. And I know she was at the U.N. and she raised her hand. Trump gave her that job, oh, by the way. And it's pretty much a nothing job. Uh, I don't even think it's a cabinet job. It's uh, And you're not in you, you have no independence. You go there and vote the way we tell you to vote. And who is what is she? She's laying into Trump on China. Now, every candidate runs around saying, oh, I've got a plan. I got a plan. My policy would be this. My policy would be that I have a plan. Go to my website. Anybody can have a website. Anybody can put stuff on the website. It really doesn't matter. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what the policy is. I know that sounds, but it matters often who the man is. They won't mess with Trump. They did not mess with Trump. Remember? It was China's fault, and China's going to pay a big price. Now, did we have that written in a policy at that very moment? I don't know. But... When the president speaks, it's policy. I got to hear this. And, and when are these candidates going to start dropping out? I mean, 0%, 1%, 2%, 5%, 1%. Trump is at 60%. 50%, 60% beating beating DeSantis by 30 points. Anyway, let me hear from Nikki Haley. I'm from South Carolina. We call it the beast of the southeast, and I love that. Cut 15. Trump did too little about the rest of the Chinese threat. He did not put us on a stronger military foothold in Asia. He did not stop the flow of American technology and investment into the Chinese military. Doesn't she really sound like she's talking to, uh, like, a little circle of kids? It sounds like, you know, take your daughter to work day or something like that. It doesn't sound, she's not, she doesn't respect us. Keep going. Trump did too little. All right, it's the same deal. Too little, too late, um, uh, but they stay in the race because it's fun. It beats working. You get to raise money. You get to buy new clothes, wear outfits, show up, make a speech, do an interview. I mean, it beats sitting at some desk all day long. And it, Half of these people are in it for the fun. And, oh, by the way, when you run for president, if you're the former governor, uh, I'm guessing she's probably raised enough money for what they really want and what really drives a lot of the crazy shenanigans you see and don't see behind the scenes, you know what that is? Private jets. Access to private jets. Now, sometimes I wonder, like, why is Hillary Clinton, you know, why does she want more money? She's already worth, like, $15 million or $20 million. Why does she want more money? Why the hell would she go through all these trucks? Because they want to fly private. That's the big thing. That's why these people do these crazy, stupid things for money. It's one of the reasons why you got Hunter Biden uh, threatening China with these stupid text messages, because his dad is the ex-vice president. He's lost Air Force Two. He's lost the motorcade. He doesn't have any perks anymore, and they want them. And they, how do you get them when you're when you're just a schnook on the street? And you might be an ex-vice president, but you're just a schnook on the street. You got to be rich. And you, for the real kind of pampering, for the real ultra protection, you need ultra big money, not 10, 15 million dollars. I'm talking about liquid.
I'm talking about enough money to have your own jet. What do you think, buddy? Anybody recognize that line? Wall Street, Wall Street, Gordon Gecko. Uh, anyway, sorry, Nikki Haley. It is not going to uh, work. Oh, and the other thing is this. E. Jean Carroll. I am so glad. Trump is suing E. Jean Carroll, and good for him. This maniac who goes on television and says, what did she say about rape, please? That she said these violent... You feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which, the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not... This was not sexual. For it just it it hurt. It just what it just you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a. I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I a think sexual. most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. <laughs> wow, what a nut job. In a situation like that, you go to commercial break and you come back with another guest. Okay, you get her the hell out of the building. But no, they uh, they protected her. They said, "Don't say anything like that again." Uh, they got her some coaching. They got her some new clothes. She had to- looks like a different person. She had a total makeover, having the time of her life, suing over this thing. When did uh, when did she say this happened? Nineteen eighty five, nineteen ninety five. I mean, it's ludicrous. Donald Trump. Again, argue, let's see here. We got a, I got this from a, is Alina Haba, very sharp attorney working for Trump. Despite a jury, uh, verdict to the contrary, Ms. Carroll persistently defames Mr. Trump and falsely accuses him of an act he did not commit. As a result, we are filing a counterclaim today to seek damages to the fullest extent permitted by law, Trump attorney Alina Haba said in a statement. Now, Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan said most of Trump's claim in his countersuit are barred by the statute of limitations. <laughs> She's saying this horrible stuff about him publicly. She's suing him for defamation. He can't defend himself. She's saying stuff happened in 1995. That's somehow out. That's somehow not outside the statute of limitations. And you know why it's not outside the statute of limitations? Because Kathy Hulk passed a law just to get Trump. Kathy Hulk, boy, she will do anything. She will do anything. Where is that nitwit? I had something from her. Uh, cut 14, please. Cut 14. That money can be transformative. With congestion pricing, New Yorkers have a lot to lose. How about 15 to 20 percent fewer vehicles in the central business district every single day? Who is this person? Who is this person? Carbon emissions, lower speeds, fewer crashes. I don't mind losing that. There's a lot of data that will be digested over the next few months, and they'll make a determination on what the rate should be for individual classes, times of day. You think she's a little bit taken uh, with power? Huh? She's going to determine what people pay to, to drive a car in the city? It's... Uh, this is something that uh, I think they try in London. Maybe they try it in Moscow. Actually, they just determine who has a car. Look, this is this is really horrible stuff. She's a small, simple person from Buffalo, New York, and she's going to arrange twenty three dollars twenty. You can consider it a fine. It's more like a fine, a toll. It's a fine coming in. It's going to have devastating consequences. In a way, I almost hope they pull this off because they're going to have to rescind it immediately. They are going to have to rescind it immediately. It could bring this city to a, I mean, lower than it is already, which is kind of hard to imagine. Meanwhile, Eric Adams is telling, I mean, Barbara told me about this first. Deep breaths, children, deep breaths. What's this all about? It is weird. It is kind of a, it has a religious component to it. And I'd stay away from it. 
Um, but now we're going to have all the kids do it. Meaningful breathing, mindful breathing, mindful. Cut 20. I'm a tool that they can use for the rest of their lives. And the simplicity of it is just breathing. If you choose not to do the breathing exercise, that's fine. That's fine. Eventually, over time, you'll find your way. But we want to make sure that we build it into our everyday process of education. Does that sound like anybody who should be designing anybody's daily routine? You're the mayor, for crying out loud, all right? They think that that is, what, emperor? That is uh, lord and ruler? Same thing with Kathy. These are public service positions. You're not supposed to rearrange how people live. And, yeah, this mindful uh, breathing stuff. So I took a course, actually. It was a, it was a freebie, um, Transcendental Meditation. And, yeah, there's a religious component to it that I was actually uncomfortable with. Um, I was just, and by the way, I did this as an adult, not as a fifth grader, as a fifth grader. And what was the religious part that I was uncomfortable with? They start saying these things in another language that I did not understand. And I have to sit through this ceremony and I don't exactly know what I'm sitting through. And I don't know exactly what I'm signing up for. Do these kids know exactly what they're signing up for? How much of that, that, that ritual is in this, uh, is in this curriculum. I don't know. Let's stick to the basics because our kids aren't learning the basics. And I'm, and a lot of this, oh, by the way, let's face it, dirty little secret is on the kids. All right. I mean, I keep hearing how we fail the kids. We fail. New York City schools are failing their children. Well, you know what? Let's face it. The children sometimes fail themselves. It's, um, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do okay in school. You got to pay attention in class. You got to not act up. You got to um, do your homework. Now, granted, I didn't do. I I did at best one of those at a time. Okay, I did not excel in school. I had other priorities, um, but I knew when I, I and my teachers. Some of them were pretty crummy. I had a teacher who hit me in the head once with a book, really hard, and um, that was a whole big incident. Oh, by the way. Uh, amazing that she kept her job. I wish, uh, but, but, but we, 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 we had a moment. We had a moment. All right. And I, I, I felt satisfaction in the end. Anyway, teachers have a tough job. Um, and not all teachers are fantastic, but you look, go back. I mean, Henry Kissinger, you know what Henry Kissinger is? He's a product of public schools, public schools, public schools in New York City, uh, public college, city college. Then he went to Harvard to get uh, 18 PhDs. If you sit down, don't act up, listen, pay attention. Now, for some, that's a big, uh, that's asking too much. And I know there's trouble at home and that kind of thing. But if you, if you did some basics, and this is up to the kids, this is up to the children. Look at this. I'm looking at a guy on television <laughs> shooting on the sidewalk in Brooklyn. Some teenager. <laughs> just shooting up a sidewalk in Brooklyn. You know, we see everything now. You've got to be a maniac to try to commit a crime. I mean, everybody's going to see it. You have, right now, wherever you are, your picture is being taken. I don't care if you're alone in a bedroom and your phone is in the other room. Your picture is somehow being taken. And there's nothing you can do in private anymore. Eric, hello. Hi, Greg. How are you? Fine. 
Um, wanted to make a comment about the Daniel Penny case. I know it's getting a little old for now, but I'm a little concerned that him going to trial might not be the best thing for him. And I, unfortunately, I think he should probably take a plea if it's something very minimal, uh, hopefully no jail time. But I believe there's going to be witness intimidation at some point, possible witness tampering, and he's not going to get a fair trial in New York City, obviously. And I didn't like the opening statements from his attorney from the first day, um, you know, throwing up um, Jordan Neely's criminal past and all of this nonsense, which is totally irrelevant. Uh, it's not irrelevant, pal. I don't I don't think it's irrelevant. I uh I don't know. We're not him. Do you really want to plead guilty? I know people, and you're right, there's a risk, I guess. You know, the wrong jury, you can go to jail, and sometimes you got to make that choice. Personally, you know what I would be doing? I'd be thinking about escaping from America. I really would. I would actually, if I were up for this, I would have an exit plan. Now, I know that's illegal, but it's also, I think it's illegal to send me to jail for something I didn't do. So I'm not telling Daniel Penny to do this, but I would be definitely looking at that. I'd find some country where there's no extradition policy, and uh, I'd arrange for transport on a ship so I wouldn't have to go through the airport. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's something I would be thinking about very seriously. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Again, I'm, I'm looking at Daniel Penny walking with his head held high as it should be as he walks into a Manhattan criminal court to plead not guilty in this insane case against him. The evidence exonerating him uh, is so overwhelming and right there and the witnesses and there was no racial component to this at all. Look at the two gentlemen who are helping, uh, who are assisting him in trying to subdue this madman, uh, Jordan Neely. Uh, one happened to be Hispanic, one happened to be black. This was not about race. We are back to where we are in the 1980s. And uh, people like Al Sharpton and uh, who's the other one? Crump and the rest, these uh, race hustlers trying to stir things up. This was a placid city when it came to race relations for decades, decades. And now we're almost back to where we started. I mean, it's just it's so unnecessary and it's so false. It's so false. Hey, I just saw something. The pictures are coming in of the Titan submersible. Remember last week that that submarine? So they found the wreckage, and the wreckage has been brought ashore. Big chunks of the submarine. I'm looking at them right now in the New York Post. The thing is all crumpled and torn apart, but you can tell it is the uh, it's that thing. It's the Titan submarine that those poor people got on. Let's see here. This is the first look at the stuff the, um, the, from the post. The mangled wreckage of the doomed Titan sub was seen for the first time on Wednesday, 10 days after it imploded, killing all five passengers on a deep-sea tour of the Titanic. Several large chunks of the submersible were hauled ashore, lifted by crane from the recovery ship after it docked in Canada. Despite attempts to keep it covered, photos appear to show mangled electronics as well as the nose cone with its distinctive circular window. The debris was covered by, recovered by U.S.-based Pelagic Research Services. They used specialized remote-controlled vehicles to find the shattered sub 12,500 feet underwater and several hundred feet away from the Titanic wreckage that it was on its way to explore. 
it's really eerie seeing this stuff. I mean, it's it's it just makes it even more real, right? We knew this happened, but seeing these big and it's white and it's crumpled, and I do see the wires and I can see part of the interior. Uh, the debris will be examined as part of U.S. and Canadian investigations into the tragedy. Officials believe that Titan suffered a catastrophic implosion soon into its dive on Father's Day. Um, it was piloted by Titan sub CEO Stockton Rush, 61 years old, who has since faced mounting controversy for seemingly ignoring major safety concerns while allowing wealthy tourists to pay $250,000 per trip. Yeah, and I saw the letter sent to him years ago, not in 2018, by some of the best submariners in the world saying, hey, pal, your technology is not there. It's not up to industry standards. Something is going to go wrong, and when that happens, you're going to make a bad name for all of us, so you got to get your act together. It was a bit more formalized than that, but that was the thrust of it. And this arrogant guy, may he rest in peace, Stockton Rush, rich kid, uh, was going to do this on the cheap somehow. And, um, oh, gosh, just looking at that dumb thing, how could they have done something? Now, um, I will say this, total conspiracy theory, and a lot of conspiracy theories turn out to be true, but this one is is bogus and trash, that somehow the government knew, the Biden administration knew, right off the bat that the thing had imploded and that there was no hope and they should have called off the search and made it a recovery mission. But they kept it going. They kept hope alive to conceal the Hunter Biden stuff. That's not the way it works, okay? If they didn't have the Titan, they would have found something else to cover and ignore Hunter Biden. Had nothing to do with it. And even if they did know, you still got to look. There's always hope, all right, to the very end. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Hunter Biden story, the scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. And Joe Biden will never give up on his son, son Hunter, and will never treat him lesser than. And so he is a father first. Take it or leave it. Sucker. <laughs> That's a... Uh... I don't like to play clips from The View because I feel like it's picking on disadvantaged children. Uh, that cast, they are so dumb, so out of touch, so, and, uh, but there they are. And that's actually part of the ABC News division. Anna Navarro, I don't know why she's there. I don't know who she is, but somehow that's been the go-to place for, uh, reaction. And, uh, do they really set the tone? Well, we don't have columnists anymore. And at one point in America, we had columnists. They were like big deal people. And they were sensible people. A lot of them had uh, military experience. I'm talking about like these names are rather ancient now, but Murray Kempton, um, A.M. Rosenthal, uh, A.M. Rosenthal. Uh, who's another one? Um, gosh, William Sapphire. You know, they were smart guys and they wrote columns that made a difference. And if you tried to get something by them, well, you couldn't. <laughs> they would write about it. And presidents, from presidents to mayors, city council people, they had to factor in these people, these powerful, powerful critics and what they would say and, and you know, how, how, how it would impact. And they were very substantive people, very smart, very experienced. And they kind of kept public officials honest. They weren't perfect. A lot of them did lean left, but they were there now. It's just Twitter mobs and idiots like we just heard. And, oh, by the way, everybody can find a support group 
so you can weather the electronic storm because you know a column was one thing and everybody could read the same column not nobody's reading the same stuff anymore we're all looking in a million different directions uh nothing really seems to uh stick anymore it's one of the reasons why they call it noise there's so much noise the noise of the moment it's frustrating to me. I know it's kind of, I mean, arguably I'm part of it. And, uh, it is. That's why every now and then I say time out. Maybe I should run for mayor. Maybe I should run for Congress. Maybe I should run for governor, huh? Governor. I mean, <laughs> um, look, if these people can get reelected and reelected and reelected, they're in it for all the wrong reasons. Kathy's in it for, um, I think the, uh, for the state airplane, for the state helicopter, for that stupid jacket she wears. And to hook up her husband doing whatever the hell it is he does, uh, with that stadium in Buffalo, uh, that's what motivates these people. They're very, very small people. Remember? I mean, who were some of the governors that we had? I mean, Cuomo, Mario, I think he was motivated by lofty ideals. Sometimes too lofty, but I think he was motivated by the right thing. He wasn't, he wasn't looking, uh, to feather his nest. He was a very modest man in many respects. Good guy. I liked him. Who else? I mean, um, Governor Harriman, Governor Rockefeller, that guy was rich, rich beyond belief. He wasn't doing it for to improve his financial portfolio. We don't have people like that anymore. I mean, look at these Bidens for crying out loud. I mean, this text message is totally disgusting. Hunter Biden demanding $10 million from some guy in China because the Bidens know how to do business. The Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. What is that? Bending the rules? Bending American policy to make you guys happy? What is it? What will you do? This is selling out America right here. $10 million. $10 million was the Biden family price. $10 million? You had to pay $10 million because $5 million wasn't enough. According to Hunter, this move to $5 million is completely new to me and is not acceptable, obviously. I can make $5 million in salary at any law firm in America. If you think it's about money, it's not. Well, what is it about here? $5 million at any law firm in America? That is totally not true. He wouldn't be hired at any law firm in America. He got a, he got a basically a flex job at uh, Boys Flexner Schiller. They let him hang around in something called Of Counsel. Not a partner. Not. I don't think he was on a salary. They gave him a, a certain stipend. They knew he was bad news. Everybody knows that this guy is bad news. Russ, what can I do for you? Hello. Hey, Greg. I think it was Mario Biaggi, a, a congressman and ex-cop that was involved with WedTech. You might be confusing him. No, nope, no, nope, I'm not. I'm not. I know who Mario Biaggi is or was, and I knew about his uh, his difficulties. I also knew he was a hero. But Stanley Simon was the guy I was thinking of, and I definitely got him confused momentarily with Mario Marola. Anyway, what's up? I just thought Mario Biaggi. All right, Greg. What I was calling about is, uh, did Jordan Neely have a right to defend himself against being killed for being an obnoxious person? Would he have had the right to gouge out the eyes of Daniel Penny? Yeah, I uh, I don't know what you're getting at here. Uh, would he have had the right to gouge out the eyes of Daniel Penny? Look, I think this is <laughs> you saw the videotape, right? Nobody, you saw nobody the you, you saw the videotape. Right? Yeah, I saw the videotape. Right, right, and you did you see that he was not being strangled? That it was more of a did you see that? Could you did you see that he was alert and conscious and you could tell that he wasn't choking him out? He was restraining him. He was restraining him. Is it are you saying that I don't understand what your point is, really. I mean, there are 50 witnesses who said this guy 
said horrible, awful things and was getting in people's faces saying, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die on this train. That would scare the hell out of me. And um, that he was making aggressive moves. As uh, You want somebody to take somebody down in that situation. So I don't know what your point is, really. My point is, you know, when they say that Penny helped him put in a recovery position, if you look at the video, he just swings uh, Neely's legs out so he can get his baseball cap from under the seat. When there are lies going on, you have to look at the truth. It's a re- uh, an included charge. So wait, 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 wait. I still don't understand what you're saying. Uh, are you on? Are you, whose side are you on here? Or do you think you think it was appropriate? Do you think it's appropriate right now that Daniel Penny has been charged? Absolutely. All right. Goodbye, Russ. Thanks very much. Good luck to you. Uh, let's go to Max in Manhattan. Hi, Max. Yes, Greg Kelly. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I think we have to be uh, keep our eyes open for Penny and make sure that he's uh, he's taken care of. Absolutely. Did um, you hear this guy Russ a moment ago? Gee whiz, there are people like that who are going to wind up on the jury, perhaps. But listen, if we're going to take care of him, we have to vote the right people in. And if we continue to have oh, wait a second, I mean, we're going to vote the right people in. This guy's in trouble right now. All right. The, the election was yesterday and they just reelected the maniacs. So I don't know if election day. I'm serious. If I were Daniel Penny, I would be looking at an exit plan. All right. I would. I, I, I mean, I know. I mean, he can't go to prison. I would be. I'm just being honest. I would be thinking about, OK, what country could I go to and how could I get there? I know he's not going to do that. You could argue that's a very dishonorable thing. But uh, I think given the circumstances, given the odds, I would be thinking along those lines. Um, there's probably some rule against me saying on that on the radio, but so I, I officially take it back. But uh, I think he should be thinking. <laughs> I, I would. I'm just saying I would. All right, Max. So what do we do other than vote? I mean, I, I, we can give money to the defense fund. A lot of you have already done that. Um, I don't know if it's still up and running. They got a lot of money from across the country. So I don't know what else there is to do in the meantime, in the short term. Greg, the reason uh, they're going after Penny is because Bragg is conducting it, and Bragg is in there because of Hochul. That's why we have to vote them out. And when it comes time to vote them out, we need paper ballots. Yeah, I know. All right. That's not going to help uh, Daniel Penny, all right, right now. It's just not going to help him. I'm all for <laughs> You know, it's more and more, I'm, I'm actually kind of feeling powerless, you know? I mean, it, it, as a citizen, we felt empowered. And I know... I've been talking about writing letters and we have to do that. We should get on social media and we, but you got to put those letters out there, but they're just doing this stuff. They just keep doing these outrageous things and we keep complaining about it, but then they're on to the next outrageous thing. And then we complain about that and we highlight the inconsistencies and the hypocrisy and they don't care. And they just do it again. Um, it's a real problem. And Oh, by the way, the idea of protesting this stuff, peacefully protesting, and that's kind of a constitutional right. It's in the First Amendment. We can peaceably assemble. You know, the thing about January 6th, the specter of January 6th, well, you don't want another January 6th on your hands, and I don't. But now they've made it like somehow it's stigmatized people coming together and protesting peacefully for things they believe in or protesting things that they, you know, don't like. And you, you, so you don't even feel comfortable doing that. It's a very, very dark time. But let's not get down. All right, Max, thanks. You're a very thoughtful guy as usual, and i got to go to Mark very quickly. Hi, Mark. Uh, hi, Greg. Uh, I just want to say that I, I worked, had the pleasure and the privilege of working for your dad when he was the CEO of the 7-1. I was in the anti-crime unit then. And I would also like to, a couple of weeks ago you mentioned how do detectives know whether a person 
is guilty. And we used to have a saying that the uh, innocent protest and the guilty eventually go to sleep. I don't get it. Well, what they do is, after a while, they feel so, if they get it out of their system that they confess to doing something, they fall asleep. It's like they got it off their chest. The innocent protest and the guilty fall asleep? Yeah. That's what they say in the squad room? Yes. All right. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. <laughs> I thought it'd rhyme or something. Hey, anyway, listen, thanks for the kind words about my dad. I remember the 7-1. I went and visited him there. This is in the early 80s, 83, 84 time frame. And uh, that was quite the precinct. That was quite the precinct. Do you remember the... Uh, uh, do you remember anything about taking naps? Taking naps. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a wild time right there in the middle of it all. Uh, the West Indian Day Parade and stuff like that. Yep. That was a good time. I think he was promoted the deputy inspector back then. Mark, thank you very much for the kind words. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I predicted a while back that Joe Biden would not be president in a year's time, and I'm trying to think when I actually made that uh, when I actually made that prediction. Was it in January or February of this year? And I think I'm going to have to stand by it. This can't last. And now I'm hearing uh, there are very serious efforts underway. There's an acknowledgement behind the scenes that the Biden situation is becoming untenable. Yeah, he can blow off a, a group of reporters and uh, deny and laugh and, and then occasionally yell. And But these text messages, the evidence is piling up and official Washington can look the other way, but the American people can't. And yeah, they can keep it out of the mainstream media um, to some point, to some degree, but people will know and it's freaking them out or we'll just make them not vote or stay home. And it looks like Gavin Newsom is going to be the guy. Gavin Newsom, um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, pretty boy, career politician, in it for all the wrong reasons, uh, could very well be the um, the Democrat nominee. And uh, we may see a resignation, which would be really catastrophic, um, but also great at the same time. I mean, the catastrophic part, of course, is uh, is Kamala, all right? Uh, <laughs> but they will get great credit. They'll see this as history. They'll see it as history, okay? They go from uh, old white man to youngish, middle-aged uh, black woman. And they're going to get all kinds of points for that. And that's going to be a big, 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 big deal. Uh, uh, history, history, history all over again. Now, we're beyond that. Most people, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, we don't care. We just want, we just want government t- to work, all right? We don't want it to get in the way. Please, is that too much to ask for? Pizza ovens, congestion pricing. Are you crazy? Relaxed breathing for students. Shut up and do the job. Nobody wants to work anymore. Hey, and never forget, never, you got to keep your eye on the military. We respect law enforcement. We respect the military, those who serve. But remember this, they work for us. We don't work for them. And too often, it's been happening for years, there's this idea that somehow, we work for them. And this guy, Mark Milley, who's still technically the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he's leaving very soon. This guy admits to treason almost in this book. I'm so glad I caught him. 
These books get published. Nobody reads them. I actually read them. This book is called The Divider, Trump in the White House, 2017 to 2021, by two fake news reporters, Peter Baker with the New York Times and Susan Glasser of the Washington Post. And Millie, uh, according to the writers, said to Mr. President, you're going to be making the decisions. All I can guarantee from me is I'm going to give you an honest answer, and I'm not going to talk about it on the front page of the Washington Post. It's amazing. He's telling the Washington Post this very story. Okay, the guy is a total and complete liar and swamp snake. And he admits right here, he admits in the book that he was going to fight Trump every step of the way. If they want to court martial me or put me in prison, have at it, Millie told his staff. But I will fight from the inside, fighting him from the inside, trying to thwart his agenda every step of the way. It's fascinating. It is totally. Here's a here's a moment. Do you remember when he walked across the uh, the plaza there when Trump did and he held up the Bible? You know, Millie was like 15 rows back, 15 paces behind Trump. And why the hell is this mentioned? Okay, after the Lafayette Square episode, Millie was extremely contrite and communicated to any number of people that he had no intention of playing Trump's game any longer. That's the president, though, by the way. Okay. The, the general knows better. The general, he's not going to play. He's going to be insubordinate, basically. He's saying that. Listen to this. Robert Bauer, the former Obama White House counsel, who was then advising the Biden campaign, recalled that he was feeling really burned by that experience. He was appalled. He apologized for it, and it was pretty clear he was digging his heels in. Now, why would Robert Bauer, some lawyer working for the Biden campaign, be talking to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You see how weird and crazy this is? This guy, they're going to be studying this for a long time. If our side wins, ultimately, you know, you got to worry about who's actually writing the history. Or the victors write the history or whatever. Um, if history is told objectively, this guy is going to go down as a traitor. Absolutely, what he did here. And he, he some of the stuff he said in books, some of the stuff he said out loud into microphones, it's absolutely incredible. I've got to go in a moment. So, Michael, real quick in Brooklyn, yes? Hi, Greg. Yeah. Uh, love your show, but I don't want to apologize right now. I'm calling because you complained about your weight problem. And I want to tell you what to do. Well, I haven't complained about my weight problem during this show. I'm actually doing quite fine with my weight. I've made some improvements. I don't know if I'm really... Well, I don't really... Uh, you're not fat shaming me, Michael, are you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, 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 I'm very no, no, no. self-conscious I... about it right now. I haven't brought it up in a long time because I've been uh, watching what I eat and exercising. But okay, what do you want to say? I know by my own experience because I have the same problem. And uh, uh, what you need to do, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you very briefly. Bulimia. Have to. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Uh, you have to go to. Take yoga or Pilates or mix with them. I'm going to stick to the bench press. I'm going to stick to free weights and a medicine ball. Pilates and yoga, I don't know. It's all that stretching and stuff, right? It's not stretching. Let me tell you what it does to you. It controls your food craving. Your problem is not really that you, that you don't exercise, but that, that you, your food craving actually makes you eat more than you lose. And that's why, for example, if you run or if you just bench press and everything else, you eat more than you need. 
because because there is no control of your uh, food craving. What yoga does and Pilates do, that kind of exercise, you, you need to do it regularly. In a, in a few months, you will see that your food craving drops. You can do the other things too. I don't no know. I, I, all right. Hey, you got to be open-minded about this stuff. So uh, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, yoga. I don't know. My wife does it. She does it. And you know who else does it? My daughter. She copies my wife, the yoga. So uh, you may be right. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thank you. I will think about it. You're probably not wrong. And uh, with that, I got to go to Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. I was so happy to hear you talking about the breathing exercises, the crazy stuff, you know, that, that we put into our schools. And it's not that difficult to excel in school, except that we have handicapped our children. We've given them things like common core math. My husband, who was a physics major, looked at these math books and said, what did they do to obfuscate the simplicity and the beauty of math? So we've done that with math to our students. Our students are terrible in math. We've done it with the language, with the pronouns now that we give them. We've done it with the literature. We've taken out the good literature and we've put junk into the classrooms. We've taken out children learning to do cursive writing. So they cannot read their grandparents' letters. They cannot read our founding documents. Again and again, we've done these things in our schools, and a lot of them are an attempt to, and a successful attempt to cut out the parents. Children are told, oh, don't go to your dad or your mom for math. This is the new math. They don't understand it. They won't be able to help you. Come to us. We will help you with your math. With so many things in the school, it is an attack on the nuclear family to separate the children from their parents instead of the child sitting there like I did as a child with my mom and dad helping me with my homework. The child will go to the teacher who is an agent of the government, we know, for help and for advice and to become confident that the government will help them because, of course, their parents cannot. Well, I like it. I like it. Everything you say. Call back, though. I mean, before all this crazy stuff happened 20 years ago, we still had big problems in the school, but now it's evil. Now there's an evil there. And you're right. They're driving us. I love that. Agents of the state. And thank you, Mom, for helping me with my homework, and Dad, too. Thank you, uh, Barbara. Bye-bye. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.